Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. How's everybody doing? Come on, how's everybody doing? Wasn't that worship incredible? Come on, don't you appreciate your worship team, your worship pastor? Put your hands together. Amen. I can go ahead and tell you, John better not be here. I will be doing some marriage counseling this week. Leave her home with twins. Come on, amen. It's so good to be in the house today. I was so blessed uh, last night to be over with John and Sean and to be able to hold those twins. Come on, amen. I'm going to tell you, uh, John and Shauna, they look like they could use some more sleep, but they're doing good. Amen. The double portion blessing when he told me, he called me and, you know, let me know that she was pregnant. I said, that's awesome. Then he called me a few weeks later. Bro, you're not going to believe it. We doubled up on it, man. We doubled up on it. I'm like, awesome, awesome favor of God. You know, uh, you've got some incredible pastors. Don't you appreciate pastors John and Shauna and all they do for Voyage Church? Come on, amen. Uh, they, they are incredible leaders. I, when he told me uh, years ago, we began to talk, and I knew that he had a, a church plant in his heart. And uh, I've led a church uh, for a long time. This church I, I planted is uh, going on 25 years. I've been in ministry 34 years. Turn to somebody and say, he don't look that old. Go ahead and tell him. Make me feel better, bro. Make me feel better. Amen. So in other words, I'm the old man in the crew but it is amazing to see God raising up a generation with fresh vision, fresh word, and God's moving. And when they shared with me about planting a church, out of Christ Central, we planted over 12 churches. And uh, we wanted to be a part of it. And so we believed in God, uh, what he was saying to them. And so he's given me updates every week. And I'm so uh, just so honored to be here today because I believe that this is just the very beginning of a great ministry that's going to touch this whole region. And you're a part of it. High five your neighbor and tell him I'm a history maker and a world changer. Go ahead and tell him. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, now last week I heard you had Daniel here. And uh, that was great. Did you enjoy him? Was he a good word? Come on, amen. And I know that next week you got Pastor Rich Watson. I, I'm also minister to Rich and, and, and cover him. He's an incredible pastor out of Louisville, Kentucky. And when I found out that they put me in between the two, I feel like a rose between two thorns. Come on, somebody. I, amen. It's, <laughs> uh, I also, he wanted, uh, John, you know how John is. He's detailed. He sent me details of things I needed to share. And one of the things I need to share with you is that the Voyage vehicle that all the money has been raised. Come on, all the money's been raised. And uh, they're, they're getting the vehicle, picking it out, getting it shipped here, getting the logos put on it where uh, the Voyage vehicle can go out in the community and make a difference and impactful. Thank you for your faithfulness. I, I really believe that this is going to be a, one of those uh, thrust into the community that's going to minister not only the grace, the love, and, and, the, and the joy of the Lord, but it's going to be a place where I believe you can connect and not only come and be equipped, but also be out, be the hands and the feet of Christ. Amen. And a church that's making a difference is bringing life to the region. And this is going to help. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Come on. Thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. Um, I, I know that he gave me an assignment. And the assignment was that they're in a series called Words Matter. Turn to somebody and say, Words Matter. 
Now, I like, I like response. I like response. And so I need you to get with me. Come on, amen. In other words, if you amen me and get with me, this will be a short message. If you don't, this is going to be brutal. It will be brutal. It will be brutal. No. <laughs> Uh, but I love the title. I love this subject matter. Words matter because it's so true. Uh, words matter in our life. Amen. Words that have been spoken over us. There's been words that have been encouraging, been healing. There's been words that brought uh, inspiration. But there's also been words in all of our life that we all know that have been painful and hurtful. Words that have impacted us and, and many times wounded us. And so when we begin to talk about words, uh, I wanted to really get into uh, how, uh, what are we called to do with the words. What, what, not only what we speak, but what we receive. Because words are so powerful. And I know that last week, I believe Daniel talked about how God's word is the most important words. How, how it's so true that the Bible said, let every man be a liar, but the word of God be true. And so the word of God is the reality that we are all living with. Uh, it doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what is in or out. It doesn't matter what is popular or not popular. I'm telling you the word of God is what created the foundations of the world. And it's the word of God that we must live by. And if we will live by the word of God, we can expect the favor of God on our life. Does anybody believe that? If you believe that, give God a praise right now. Just give him praise for his goodness. Amen. Now, I gave them some notes because they asked me early in the week, and my guys are used to me, my media team, and they know they may get it Saturday night at 3 in the morning when I get revelation. But, but So I sent it to them early, but I've added some things. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, if you're taking notes, is such a powerful scripture, and I think that many times we don't understand the, the true revelation of this text. It says, for the word of God is living, it's alive, and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing or the division of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, uh, and is a, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. What it talks about is the word of God is the only thing in all of creation that can truly divide us and, and begin to pierce the very soul and heart of each one of us. You know, we can, we can fool people, we can put on fronts, we can put on facades, but the Word of God pierces through everything that we try to put out there, and it pierces through. In other words, the Word of God is able to separate your soul's condition from your spiritual position. I know when we get saved, do you know that immediately when we receive Christ and we make Him Lord and Savior, immediately there's a, a transformation that begins to happen. The Bible says that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, that Jesus becomes our Lord and Savior, that our spirit is born again, and that we begin this journey and this relationship with God. But He also says in Romans and in other places that then there is a process of growing and changing and transforming, and it happens because He renews our mind. How many of you know when you got saved, that didn't mean that every bad habit you ever had stopped? Look to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you right now. He's talking to you right now. In other words, there's a process involved in working out and following God. We, we're not just, we don't just all of a sudden we get saved and man, it's awesome. And then the next day we're glowing in the dark. Come on, somebody. And angels are singing when we wake up. No, we get up and, and we still got issues. Come on, somebody. We got issues. But it doesn't mean that we're not saved. What it means is God loves us enough to not leave us like he found us. And then he begins a journey 
of changing us from where we are to where he has taken and positioned and destined us to be. The Bible calls us the sons and daughters of God. Now, everyone that is born is not children of God. They're children of creation. But you have to be born again, washed in the blood of Christ, to be a child of God. But when you become a child of God, what you have to realize is that there's added authority given to you and that your words carry power. Today, when we're singing, we're not just singing lyrics of worship. We're making declarations in the kingdom of God. We, we can get transported very, in our spirit to the very throne room of God, and there we are worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, the Bible says. But how many of you know that there's still the process of change? And that happens in our soul. And our soul is our mind, will, and our emotions. It is where the Bible talks about renewing our mind. How many of you know that when you and I got saved, I don't know about you, but God had a lot of work to do on me. A lot of work. My mind was jacked up. Come on, amen. I, I, I lived for many years in Miami, and I was invo involved in a lot of things I shouldn't be. And even though I was raised in church and knew what was right, I didn't live for God like I should. But I knew that one day I was sitting at home, and I, had, I thought I had everything in my mid-20s. I thought I had everything. We had money. I had vehicles. I had motorcycles. I had all kinds of stuff. And I realized sitting at night, 3 in the morning, watching TV after a big party and all my friends left, I was still empty. I realized that I thought this would make me happy, but it wasn't. Why? Because I was created to have a relationship with my God, and if I didn't have it, I couldn't fill it with anything else. But when I started that journey, he began to not only feel that emptiness, but then he began to renew my mind. He began to change me. Come on, somebody. Amen. And, and in that process, when he begins to change us, we have to realize that as he changes our soul, our mind, he also has to change our vocabulary. Our language. You see, there's a language of the kingdom and there's a language of the world. And I'm not talking about cussing. The altars are open, won't you come? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm just talking about what we think and believe and then what we speak. Because if we're not careful, we've been raised in, in environments, maybe families, uh, where the words that we speak are not life-giving, but they're <sighs> discouraging. And here's what I want to talk to you about today, that you have the power of God in you. The Bible said that literally you and I have been created as the children of God. And then in Genesis, if you'll realize, he gave them dominion. You have authority in the earth. You know, many people don't understand that they believe that whatever happened is going to happen through a sovereign God. And I believe that God has a sovereign plan that will be fulfilled. But you and I also have an assignment that we have the power of God to manifest it in the earth and to declare some things. Come on, somebody. I, I, I pray over, I've, I've got four children. I've got ten grandchildren. Turn to somebody and say, fertile as a Napa Valley, that family right there. Ten grandkids, come on. I mean, we can make some babies, come on. Amen. I told somebody, I said, they're not the sharpest, but boy, they're good-looking kids. Are you hearing me? I'm teasing. I'm messing with you. But the reality is that we are supposed to be fruitful, not only with, with children, but we're supposed to be fruitful in our life. And the power that we have is to declare the word of the Lord in the land of the living. You know, and, and this scripture in Proverbs 18, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So we, every word that we're speaking, even as a believer, there's people that don't, don't live in joy, but they're saved. They don't live in peace, but they're saved. They, they don't live with confidence or faith in themselves or what God's called them to do, but they're saved. Why? Because there's a disconnect 
between their salvation, they're spiritually born again, but they haven't really embraced by faith the things God said over them. And because of that, they will begin to speak words over their own life that will rob them of joy and of peace and of power. When people call me, it doesn't matter if I'm having a good day or, or everything's gone wrong. When they talk to me, I always say, they say, Pastor, how's it going? I said, another day in paradise. And it's not because every day is a day in paradise. It's because I've chosen to make a decision that I'm blessed and I'm going to walk in the favor of God. And even when I have a problem, it's temporary, but God's goodness is eternal. Come on, and I'm going to come through it. Amen. And, and so in this scripture, it, he's talking about uh, the power of God that he's given us. And so I pray over our children. I pray over our marriage. I pray over the ministry. When God speaks a word, I begin to believe, even when all of the odds look like it's impossible. Why? Because if God said it, he can bring it to pass. The, the word of God in Timothy, it says that the word of God that's been written is inspired by God. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. But that word means God breathed. And so the word of God has the power of God in it. That's why it said it's alive. It's powerful. It's sharp. It's able to create. It's able to heal. It's, it's able to deliver. It's able to set us free. And in that power, the Bible says that now we have the power that when we quote the word of God, that when we read it, how many of you know when we read the word of God or we hear it preach, something changes in us? Why? Because when we read the word of God, God breathed into it and it's alive. And when you read it, it breathes on you and brings life. When I preach it, it'll bring life. When you share it with someone else, it brings life. All of a sudden, you give everybody your opinion, and it may or may not bring life. But when you start giving them the principles of the Word of God and how much God loves them and what they were created for, all of a sudden, you shift from natural language to kingdom language, and all of a sudden, you begin to bring life over them and blessings and favor, and, and all those things begin to manifest in their life. Words matter. Words matter. The Bible also, it talks about, and I don't have a whole lot of time to break this down, but I do want to take a few moments. The New Testament is given to us in, in many principle forms. And the Old Testament is more in picture form. So what does that mean? That means in the Old Testament, uh, you had to sacrifice animals, they were taught, right? And aren't you glad you didn't have to bring a, a, a bull with you this morning? Come on, somebody. Come on, we had to bring cattle trailers here, and, and, and there wouldn't be worship. There would be the sounds of animals dying, as, right, as we're bleeding them. Why? Because of the sins. And, but that was all a picture of what Jesus, when he came, that he would be the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. And because he died once for all of us, when we receive him, we don't have to bring the bloods of animals. What we brought today was a sacrifice of praise, and we just offered up God our worship. Aren't you glad for the new covenant? Come on, somebody. Amen? I'm glad that we are living in the New Testament. But the Old Testament gave us more understanding. It's like looking at uh, this, this teaching in, in a 3D. It gives dimension. And the same thing with the words. I want to look for a few moments. I'm going to look in a, in a story in Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel 37 is, a, is the prophet. And, and the prophet has been taken into captivity. He was Ezekiel. His dad was a, a, a priest. And he was going to be in the priesthood. And then in, when he was in captivity... Uh, he got called into the prophetic, and he began to prophesy. And 
as he was there for many years, the first time that he began to prophesy, he began to say, talk about returning to Jerusalem. And one day we're going to come out of slavery. And one day we're coming out of captivity. And we're going to go back to Jerusalem. And we're going to worship on the Holy Mount. And we're going to be there in the presence of God. And then they get word by about 11 years into captivity that Jerusalem has been destroyed. The temple has been torn down. All the people have been taken and put into captivity. There's no more temple. There's no more nation. And the whole nation begins to mourn. Even the prophet begins to feel hopeless and oppressed. He feels like all the dreams and the hopes, the things that I've spoken, it's not going to happen because there is no place to return. There is no nation. And God showed up. On, on a river bank there and began to talk to him and began to declare life over him. And, and this, God showed me years ago that this is a teaching for us as believers to understand the power of our words. In Ezekiel 37, we're going to look there. In Ezekiel 37, it is the place where we know it as the Valley of Dry Bones. It is a place that was a vision that God brought Ezekiel to because Ezekiel had lost all faith, all hope, all, all joy, all, all uh, uh, peace. He was depressed. The whole nation was depressed. And in this year, God showed up and began to take him on a journey. And it was not just a journey for him. I believe it was a picture for all of us to understand the power of our broken dreams and hopes. I, I don't know about you, but in this room, there's been... Uh, because of statistics, there's so many that have come from maybe broken families or, or maybe you've been through bankruptcy or maybe a marriage didn't work out or maybe your parents didn't uh, take good care of you and all of these issues, if we're not careful, we walk around with these wounds of broken hopes and broken dreams and the enemy terrorizes us by taking the pain of our past and continuing to relive it and to go through it and, and maybe you had an environment where you were talked down to or said you're never going to accomplish nothing or you're never going to be any Thing. And I've just come to tell you that it doesn't matter what people have said, though it has wounded you, God is the final authority. It is his word that is true, and he has already declared who you are. You're a child of the living God. You are blessed and highly favored. You are blessed in the city and in the field. Come on, somebody. Amen? And one of the things I find is many believers do not understand the power of their own words. Psychologists say that we, have, uh, we talk to ourselves all the time. All the time. I had a grandfather. He was in his 90s when he passed away. And I would hear him mumbling all the time. And I would ask him, Dad, Pop, what, who are you talking to? He said, I'm talking to myself. Because that's the only intelligent person around here to talk to. I'm like, Pop, that's kind of harsh, bro. We, we talk, they say, to ourselves all the time. And do you know what they say? Over 90% of the words we tell ourselves are negative. We're always speaking over ourselves that we're not good enough or someone doesn't like us or we're not talented as somebody else or this and that. And the enemy is always trying to tear down your faith in who God said you were. And so all of a sudden, he's there depressed and God shows up to Ezekiel, picks him up, takes him. And in Ezekiel 37, here's what it says in the first verse. It said, the hand of the Lord came upon me, Ezekiel writes. He brought me out of the, in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of a valley, and it was full of bones. I wanted to stop here because he's been in exile 11 years, feeling neglected, but God is with you even in your problem. 
Today, if you have a struggle, if you are depressed, if you have addictions, if, if you are dealing with past wounds and pain, and you feel alone, I'm just come to declare God knows right where you are, and his hand is on you, and he's able to bring you out of your situation. He's able to bring you out. In this situation, Ezekiel had given up hope. He is so overwhelmed by it, but in this journey, the enemy had begun to wreak havoc, but God showed up and began to give him revelation. Revelation is insight from God. When you get a revelation from God in the word of God, he'll reveal something. And when you get a revelation of who God is in a new dimension, you can occupy a new place. Many times we talk about the healing of God. I've preached about the healing of God. I know the scriptures of the healing of God. But for me to really experience it, I had to go through sickness. I had to go through surgery. I had to go through issues that I began to understand who God was. And he became my healer. I had loved one that they didn't give any, any hope of, of making it. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, my best friend had been given less than a year to live. And no one on planet Earth with this disease, it's the most aggressive form of cancer, had ever lived more than five years. And I was heartbroken. But I, in the middle of the pain of, of that loss, we began to pray and believe. And, and even though the doctor said no one on planet Earth has lived more than five years, and we began to pray, we began to anoint, we began to speak the word of God over his life I'm glad to report that's been seven years ago and he's the only one alive and they still study his blood why because when you understand what God says it doesn't matter what man says God is able to take our situations and he knows right where we are in this situation even in exile he never leaves you but his spirit is with you and he can bring you out this valley of dry bones is a picture of an impossible situation it was not just bones in a valley. He finds himself standing in a, in a valley with disconnected bones. It wasn't skeletons that are all together, but the bones are all disconnected, and it's impossible to put it back together. And it was representing the nation of Israel. And, and, and he knew that Ezekiel thought that the nation would never come together. It was impossible to get redeemed. It would be impossible to be restored. And, and all of a sudden, he's showing him this. And have, have you ever had a situation that seems impossible? Are you in a situation that seems impossible? Your job, your family, your children, your, your loved ones. Are you facing something that seems to be impossible? Here's what I've come to declare. In 2022, our God is still a God that with him nothing shall be impossible. I said nothing shall be impossible. He's got dreams for you. But in the Valley of, dream, uh, of Dry Bones, it's the place of dead dreams and, and failed visions. The pain of every person in this room, you've had disappointments. And in the, those disappointments, the enemy would have you soundtrack, play a song or a word that you are never going to be successful. You're never going to get to be all that God's called you to be. And I've just come to declare and bring revelation that the devil is a liar. This church is going to be massive. I said, you're going to be part of a church that's, that's bringing the kingdom in this region and your purposes and your plans that God has for you. Some of you are going to be ministering in places you never even saw yourself because God destined you to be part of a kingdom movement. 
I, I promise you there will be buildings. There will be a building one day, and you'll stand there, and you'll say, I remember when we met in the school. I remember because I've been there. I've stood in schools and preached the gospel to a group of people when we planted a church, and now we got a campus with over 100 acres and over 75,000 of ministry space and all that. But when I stood on a stage in a school and God was speaking, it looked so far away, and everybody, all my friends said, why did you go there to plant a church? Why did you go to the woods to plant a church? I mean, we're so far in the woods, you got to go towards town to go hunting. We're, we in the woods, dog. But here's what God said. If you go, if you go and obey, I'll show you how mighty it is. I'll show you what I can do. Come on, somebody. And, and so all of a sudden, we saw the hands of God. Why? Because we believed that what God said was more powerful than what everybody else was telling us come on and i believe that in pace and in this community and in this region that this place is going to have such a presence of the living loving god that he's going to draw people from the north and the south and the east and the west and they may come in here with bones and dead dreams but this is going to be a place of resurrection this will be a place of miracles if you believe it give god praise this morning come on somebody Hallelujah. He, I love God. I love how God interacts with us because he knows us. He knows that we struggle. So he asked the question. He, he said to him, he said, son of man, in verse 3, can these bones live? He knows he's talking to a depressed prophet. Let me just tell you, there's nothing wrong, worse than a depressed prophet. <laughs> Right? There's nothing worse. He's just like, because he is just telling out of his emotions. And he said, can, the, can these bones live? And, and the prophet knew that if he said, oh, yeah, they can live, he'd be like, you're lying. You ain't got no faith. And, or if he said, no, there's no, then he would be saying, God, you don't have the power. So he just said to him, only you know, God. I don't know what's going to happen. Only you know. Why are you asking me a question? You already know. Let me say, when God asks us questions, it's not because God needs the information. It's because God is planning to teach us something in the situation we're in, and he's walking us through it because he's training us. You see, the understanding that he's renewing our mind and our language is because he's preparing us to rule and reign with Christ. The Bible says we're going to rule and reign with Christ throughout eternity, and we're in boot camp right now. And he's teaching us how to be the sons and daughters that God's called us to be. When God asks us a question, he already knows it. So listen, he said, son of man, can these bones live? And he said, only you know, Lord. And then in verse 4, he said to them, now listen, prophesy to the bones, speak to the bones, and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. you got to open your mouth, and you got to begin to declare the word of the Lord over your situation. Because faith is believing even when you don't understand. Faith is believing what God said even in your own mind. It don't make sense. You've got to learn to talk to your situation. Do you know that in Mark it talks about that even if you've got a mountain, he said speak to the mountain. Our problem is we're always talking to God about our mountain and there's a time that you talk to God about your situation. He gives you a word and he's telling you now turn around and talk to your mountain by the authority I've just given you. If you're sick in body, God is your healer. 
By his stripes we were healed and are healed. I believe in doctors. I believe in medicines. I believe in God uses them. But I also know that he's made a promise to me that as a child of God that I can believe that Jesus paid the price not only for my sins but for my sicknesses and that when they come I can still bring it to the court of grace and find mercy to help in times of need. Your words have power. See, the enemy will cause you to quiet down. How many of you get, when you start getting down, you begin to withdraw? You, you don't talk. You, we, talk. We call it the silent treatment. Are you married? They get on your nerves, and you know that if you talk too much, you're going to get in a fight. The altars are open. Won't you come? I see some guilty people. I feel conviction all over this place. We've all been there. And if we're not careful, we get in to silence. We, we begin to withdraw. That's what we do sometimes with God when life isn't going well. And here's what I'm telling you. The enemy wants you to get quiet, but God said you need to begin to speak by faith because your words matter. It's not just the preacher's words matter. It's not just the psalmist's words matter. It's not just the, 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 the apostles or the prophets or whoever, your pastors. I'm telling you, you are called to be a priest and a king. And when you got saved, you also got authority to speak words of life. Prophecy. Prophecy scares people because we begin to say, well, that means uh, you're going you're gonna to predict my future. You're going to say, prophecy is not weird. How many of you know weird people? Look straight ahead. Nobody know you rode with them. Go ahead. Tell me. Yeah, I know we're people. Prophecy just means declaring the word of the Lord. I just prophesied when I read scripture. I just prophesied when I gave you what God says about healing or about uh, deliverance. When, when I give you the word of the Lord, I prophesy. When you turn to your situation of your family or your child that the enemy's trying to pull away from you, and you begin to declare, the Lord has given this child to me. I'm anointed and appointed, and I bind the enemy. You can't have my child. It won't go on the wrong path. He won't go on the wrong path, but I create. I was created to birth this child, and this child will serve the Most High God. I declare favor and blessings. I dispatch angels. Is anybody hearing me? You have the power. Turn to somebody and tell them you got power. And so in, 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 this, in this account, and I'm hurrying, when God changes the name, if you'll notice, sometimes it looks crazy when you begin to declare what God says. In Abraham, that was a crazy situation. He's, he's 75. God gives him a word that you're going to be a, the father of, of nations, and that's what his name's. His name means father of nations. He's almost 100 years old, and he still don't have a child. And everybody's calling him father of nations. And then God comes to him, and he expands his covenant. And instead of just father of nations, he said, I'm going to make you the father of multitudes. But nobody heard it except Abraham. But then he had to go around and tell everybody. Can you imagine him going to his neighbor? And he said, hey, I've, I've changed my name. His neighbor said, it's about time. I've been calling you father of nations, and you got no kids. He said, yep, I'm changing it. Now it's father of multitudes. I'm going to be multitudes. And he's like, oh, he's crazy. But for 100 years, he declared it. Why? Because God had a plan, because God gave him a word. And, and when, we be, when we understand that the word of God flows through us, that there is something that is released when you open your mouth and pray, 
When you opened your mouth this morning while you were worshiping, you weren't just singing lyrics. You were making declarations. As Ezekiel is standing in this, in this valley, and he began to prophesy. If you'll notice, when, when God spoke the words, nothing happened. The bones just laid in the ground. But the Bible said that when he began to prophesy, when he began to declare what God said, the Bible said there was a great sound in the valley, a great sound that all the bones began to rumble and begin to come together. Why? Because prophecy, we think, is predictive, but it's catalytic. It starts things. You know, when Jesus was on the bow of the boat, and he stood there, and, and, and they said, the storm, it's going to kill us all. And the disciples said to him, and they said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? And then Jesus woke up, stood up on the bow of the boat. He didn't have a, uh, he didn't have a weather app. He didn't know that there was going to be a break in the storm. The Bible said that he declared, peace be still. And what does that mean? That means he made a declaration and the word of God with the authority, the Bible said, and the winds and the waves obeyed him. You have to realize that you have been given authority and that your words make a difference in every situation. Every situation. Here's what he says in verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together bone to bone. It didn't happen until he opened his mouth and he began to prophesy. It goes on to say, and as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over and there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain and they may live. And I prophesied as I was commanded or as he commanded me. About 15, 18 years ago, I was... We, we're in 40 different nations doing um, medical missions. We built three children's homes. We got one in the Philippines. We got two in Honduras. We've got an outreach center in town. We've got a homeless shelter. We've got all kinds of ministries. But I was so tired. I'd been over doing medical missions, and uh, we have uh, medical teams. We have doctors. We have all kinds of, of uh, medical professionals that go. And I'm not a medical professional. I know that that probably shocks you, but I'm not a medical professional. But I was there, you know, I would go and I would serve with them. And so I'm sitting in the meetings and, and it's, uh, it's, it's really amazing. Thousands of people come and we medically treat them. And these doctors are there and they're doing the clinic and they're setting it up. And, and I remember when we started taking them with our team and the doctor said, uh, he was setting it all up and he said, I need someone to operate the pharmacy that when we give the prescriptions, someone needs to pass out the drugs to them. And, you know, I was never sure where I was going to be in the medical team. But when he talked about passing out drugs, I was like, I got trained for this before I got saved, dog. I'm your man. I am your man. That's my, that's my wheelhouse, dog. That's my wheelhouse. And he's like, okay, pastor's in charge of pharmacy. Whoa, this, ba this will run like a well-oiled machine. But anyway, I was so tired after seven days. And we had a construction team. Anyway, I was headed back to the airport. And I was just, I'm telling you, man, I was just fried. And I was going, and we were catching kids off the street. And we were putting them in children's homes. And I'm going to the airport, and there's still kids in cardboard boxes, little kids. And we're ministering to the MS-13 gang, and we're doing all kinds of stuff. And I was so tired. And I'm like, God, are we making any difference? Are we, are we making any difference? We're spending money, time, and energy. I'm wore out. I'm flying back to preach. The team is still here. 
And I just was, I was just bummed. So I get back and I began to fast. I'm like, God, we've been doing this and I don't know if we're making a difference. And God spoke. And he said, I want you to go back. And when you go back, you're going to meet three people. You're going to meet the spiritual father, the political father, and the business father of the nation of Honduras. And so I began to, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Who are they? And God got quiet. And a long story short, I called my mission pastor and I said, I want you to book tickets back to Honduras for me and you and my wife. We're going back. They're like, why? We just got back. I said, I'm going to meet the business father, the political father, and, and, uh, and, and the, uh, who's the other one? Yeah, that one. And, uh, and they said, okay, who are they? We'll set you up an appointment, Pastor. I said, I got no idea. So we bought the tickets and we went. Over seven days, supernaturally, God led us to, to I met the, the most powerful pastor who had over 30,000 members. We began to connect with him. God gave me a drawing in a dream two nights before. I wrote it down. And then when I showed up, that drawing of a, a homeless shelter for, for, for children and a home for unwed mothers was the key that opened it up for the nation. I ended up connecting with the, the president of the country. We began to minister all over the country. I, I spoke before Congress in Honduras and we began to share and anyway favor all through it out why because God said a word and I was just dumb enough to say if he said it we can do it listen to me a word is all you need but when you get a word you can't keep it to yourself you got to act on the word why words matter Many people, I believe, don't receive their healing because they stop and they don't release what God is saying. I've come to tell you that you are the children of the Most High God. That you have been given to this community that you can change the environment and the atmosphere. That you are to take the kingdom of heaven and to begin to impact and influence a region. In a time of division, there needs to be a body of believers that love everybody from every tribe and every nation and every ethnicity and every tongue. We need to represent the kingdom, but we've got to be bold in what God's called us to do. You've been called and assigned to this place. Your steps have been ordered of the Lord. Every one of you, listen to me, every one of you have the power to change circumstances through your words. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, not the evidence of things seen. Every time that I drive on the campus at Christ Central and I come in and I see the buildings and I see the people coming and the uh, thousands of people that are part of it, and here, here's what I realize. That took me and a group of people having faith that God spoke a word. When people get saved and healed and delivered and set free and we go into five prisons every month and when they're transitioning out, we have housing that we partner with a, a ministry and we bring them out and we bring them to the house of God. Those were, those were men and women that were, the world had given up on that are broken and God had reached down and a word went behind the four walls of a prison and went into the very place where they're broken and he says, live, you can live. And I've come to tell you that no matter who or, or, or what that you have a ministry to, you can speak life over them. There is a generation that are dead walking dead out there there's broken people all around us but you have been given the power of words 
that bring life. I, I want you to, I'm going to ask the guys to come. I want to ask the uh, worship team to come. I want you to listen to this real quickly. God has a process. And if you'll notice the process, there's always, there's always the, the birth, but then there's the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Jesus was born and lived, but then he died. He was buried, and he was resurrected. Abraham, the father of faith, he lived. The Bible said that God waited. Why did he wait 25 years from the word until he gave him a son? It is because he waited for things to die in the flesh that he could birth things in the spirit. God is allowing certain things to happen in our life that he can kill the flesh that will lean to him and that he becomes that life giver for each and every one of us. I want you to stand with me. I know they're coming to the instruments. As I was praying about this morning, and I realized that, that I don't know you and you don't know me. And I realized that I can be intense. And John can too. And he preaches very fast, rapid fire. I love John. Here's what I want you to understand. Every person under the sound of my voice, your words matter. Your words carry weight. When you speak over your own self, begin to declare what God has said over you. You are anointed. Psalms 139 says that you have been created by a God that actually drew you out almost like a blueprint. Read 139. He said he took you and drew your members. He knew what you would look like. He knew what you would sound like. He knew how your mind would be wired and worked. He knew your personality. The Bible said that he created us and then he put us in a book. In this book, it not only has all about us, but it has the time that you were assigned to be alive. It has the places you were going to live. It says the steps have been ordered. The Bible said there's a name on that file. And the name that you have in heaven is not the name you have here in the earth. As a matter of fact, it says when you come before God that he's going to give you a white stone. And on that white stone is going to be your real name. And in this life, it's not happenstance that you're alive right now. The Bible said David was born and served his generation and slept with the fathers. He walked out his assignment. 
You and I have an assignment right now. And in the life and in the world today, we need, the world needs the sons and daughters of the kingdom. The Bible says that the world is travailing. It's all in disarray. It's confused. It's divided. And it says that it's awaiting the sons and the daughters of God to manifest. That means to stand in the place of anointing and authority and begin to declare to a broken world, God is alive. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. You and I, you and I represent the kingdom in the earth. Your words carry weight. Have you ever been stopped by a policeman? Don't raise your hand. One man out on a dark road stopping you for speeding. And yet when he comes to the car, how many of you know that you recognize authority has showed up? Because you understand that he has the force of the whole police department, all of government. When you and I show up on a situation, we carry authority. When sickness has come against someone we love or someone we know, and we show up, we are the children of God who carry the authority of His Word. And we bring God in remembrance that by His stripes we're healed. And we begin to change the atmosphere through our worship and through our declarations. You and I can make a difference because our words matter. When God created the worlds, He did it through His, let there be light. I've just come by today to tell you, you're making a difference already. Lean into what God has for you. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. Maybe you have, are going through something. Maybe you feel or you are sick in body or you have a loved one that is sick that needs a healing. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to come into agreement. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Hands all over. M maybe you have a, a family member that is, is in trouble or, or drifting and, and you need and they need God to come on the situation. Has anyone got a, a family member in distress? Come on, raise your hand. Don't be a don't be ashamed. Yes. I want you to do this for me before we leave. I want, if you raise your hand for any of that, I want you to step out and come and stand in the altar. I'm going to make a declaration over you as we, as we worship. Come on, just begin to come down and stand in the altar. Come on, let's worship for a moment. We glorify your name. You're our healer, our savior, our deliverer. Your power to save and deliver and set us free. Hmm. Father, we love you, Lord. Lord, those that have gathered in the altar, those that are even maybe in their seats still, they're here before you because you're the answer. You're the healer of our bodies. You're, you're the renewer of our minds. 
the damaged places of our life where words have hurt us or damaged us. Lord, you're the one who brings restoration. Lord, if there's family members that are sick, you're the healer. You still do miracles among us. I bind sickness in the name of Jesus. I declare that healing is flowing through your people. God, I ask for a boldness in their lives. That they won't believe the lies of the enemy that they're not anointed enough or holy enough or good enough. They are good enough because the blood has been applied. They are your representatives in the earth. We lift our hands and we lift our hearts because we know you're the answer. We pray, Father, for marriages that are in trouble. We pray for the healing and the restoration, Father, where the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. You come to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. I declare today that you're healing marriages. Mm. Father, I come to you for those children, those loved ones that are struggling. Lord, whether they're out, whether they're on uh, drugs or addicted or whether they're just out of the ark of safety, I pray that today that there's a drawing of the Holy Spirit. I pray the Holy Spirit will begin to draw them into a place of, of relationship with you, God. I know that we need you. Lord, this is a house that's built on the Word of God in the presence of our Lord and Savior. Come on, just raise your hands right now. Raise your hands and let's worship for a moment. Just begin to tell Him how much you love Him. Begin to tell Him how much you love Him.
We lift you up, Lord. We lift you up, Lord. Holy Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise. Father, I just take a moment to thank you for this house. Thank you for every life, for every child, for every mother and father, for every single adult, for every parent and grandparent. Oh, I believe you brought them here, God. Lord, to this life-giving community of believers, that, Father, we are to walk together to see you move among us. And Father, we take a minute to thank you for the leaders you brought. Thank you for Pastor Sean, Pastor John. Thank you for their beautiful family. Thank you for all the leaders and all the volunteers that are sacrificing and sowing and believing. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that this harvest, Lord, it's already begun, Father, but you're bringing people. Lord, that they'll find a house where they can be loved and ministered. They'll find a place of faith. And we're all different. We come from all different backgrounds. We have all different kinds of experiences. But yet we come and stand on level ground around Calvary's cross. Father, let us remember our worship is to you. That you saved us. And pulled us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And then you've called us the children of light. Revelation. Let us walk from this place today. Understanding the power that you've given us with our words. That we can change atmospheres on our job. We can change atmospheres in our home. That we have been called to be ambassadors of a kingdom that loves the broken. That there's a God who cares and has the power to change and transform lives. Father, we thank you for your presence in this house today. Thank you for our time together. 
Let us enjoy these relationships. But let us also understand the power of the spoken word. As we leave here today, let us walk with new understanding about the power of our words. Bless each and every home. Bless each and every child. May your face shine upon them. May you open the doors you want them to walk through and close the doors you don't want them to. And may you lead this congregation into the fullness of what you have destined for Voyage Church. And Lord, we're going to give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city. 